Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first chapter of Luke, verses 39 through 56. Hear now the word of our Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud with their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. So we like to tell um, William sometimes that he was born among pirates. And the reason we tell him that is he was actually born at Eastern Carolina University and uh, their mascot is the pirates. And... Um, it was kind of different. We were living in North Carolina at the time, and both of my daughters were born in Kentucky, maybe uh, an hour or two away from their grandparents. And um, here, uh, we were living in North Carolina, and William was going to be born 10 hours away from the grandparents. And um, that made things more difficult. And I remember uh, calling my parents and, and telling them uh, the C-section was scheduled on a Friday. And um, I remember telling them this is the day and being disappointed but understanding when my mom said, we're really not going to be able uh, to make it out on Saturday to see the baby. Um, we'll... we'll We'll come in another week or so, and we'll stay for a couple of days, and we'll help out around the house. But uh, you have to understand, your dad preaches on Sunday. Uh, we drive 10 hours just to spend an hour with the baby and drive 10 hours back. And it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And at that time, my younger brothers were, were still in the house, and they had band competitions and things like that. And so um, it just wasn't good timing. So um, Friday came, we had the baby. Um, I say we, I, I played a strong supportive role, but Crystal had the baby. And um, 
it was kind of one of those things where uh, 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 the dad's chore really comes like after where you're just in this sleep-deprived state for a couple of days and you're sleeping in the world's most uncomfortable pull-out chair and, uh, and you're just sort of, a, you're sort of the gatekeeper as people are, are coming in and, and, and wanting to, to see the baby and visit with the baby and, and you've got to be alert and you've got to be the advocate to the nurses. And so, you know, there's a lot of responsibility to it. And I, I remember that, you know, uh, one of my responsibilities was when the baby was born, uh, to everyone in Kentucky who couldn't make it, I had to take the picture and post it up on the Internet and make sure everyone could see um, uh, our newborn son. And, uh, and so I did that. And um, Saturday afternoon... I was sleeping in my uncomfortable chair. I have William in my arms. I was just kind of drifting in and out. And a knock came at the door. And the door opened, and it was my parents. And uh, they had just drove 10 hours to see the baby. And, And my mom had this big grin on her face, and she burst through the door, and, and she grabbed the baby out of my arms and, you know, rocking him and, and ooing and eyeing. And I remember saying, Mom, I thought you all weren't coming for another week. And she said, yeah, well, we saw the picture, and the car just kind of drove itself over here. <laughs> you ever have something like that happen? There's just news, and it's just too good, and you just... Your car just kind of drives itself over there. They, they drove 10 hours to spend an hour with the baby, and then they drove 10 hours back. The car just kind of drove itself over there. But when you're excited, when, you're, um, when, when there's such good news, such joy, you just kind of do it. That's the state we find Mary in at the beginning of of this morning's passage. She, uh, she hears this good news about uh, her, um, her relative Elizabeth, that uh, the, this woman who's been praying for this baby her entire life is it, it, finally going to have this baby. And it, at the very beginning of the passage, it says, Mary hurried, she gathered her things, and she went to visit her cousin. And the very next sentence, uh, she's over there at the house. And Luke makes it sound like it's nothing. But I'm here to tell you, um, the ancestral home where, um, where uh, called the Ein Karim, where, um, where Zechariah and Elizabeth would have lived, was 70 miles south of Nazareth. And not only was it 70 miles south of Nazareth, it was tucked away in the mountains um, west of Jerusalem, and so the only way uh, to enter it was this treacherous kind of side of the mountain kind of deal, and, and it was a path that was well known um, for uh, for bandits and brigands, and so uh, it was a dangerous, dangerous seventy mile journey. Would have been an arduous trip for. Um, you know, an able-bodied man. And here, this pregnant 
teenage girl hears this good news and her donkey just kind of drives itself to Ein Karem. She's got to see with her own eyes. She just kind of grabs her stuff and says, I'm going, we're going to see this thing. This I got to lay my eyes on. Her donkey just kind of drives itself over there. We're not told about the arduous trip and everything she went through. She just kind of threw all her stuff and she got there. And when she gets there, it's a beautiful scene, isn't it? It says she enters Zechariah's house and and, and she greets Elizabeth. The greeting would have been, you know, the all-purpose Jewish aloha. Hello, goodbye, and peace be upon you. Shalom. She would have entered uh, this house and she would have greeted uh, Shalom. Now, think about this for a second. This could have went any way. Elizabeth has, uh, Mary has had time to think about this as she's been on this journey. And, uh, and, and she just kind of, uh, she just kind of grabbed her stuff and went because she wanted to see this good news. But I'm sure as she was on this journey, she had time to think, is this really such a good idea? After all, these are relatives that I've not seen in probably a very long time. How am I going to be greeted? When I get there, will news precede me that, you know, I've got this baby growing in my belly? What's this priestly family going to think of that? If I get there, are they just going to turn me away and tell me to keep walking? She doesn't know exactly how she's going to be greeted when she gets there. Is there going to be this guilt? Is there going to be this shame. And so she walks through the door. She says, Shalom. And in this warm moment of grace, this moment of joy, uh, uh, little John, little peanut, jumps up in the womb. Jesus is here. And Elizabeth looks at that, that, that pregnant teenage girl before her and says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Look what God has done in you and why should I be so blessed to see the mother of my Lord? That conversation could have went a million other ways. And here Mary has this beautiful moment of grace and acceptance that somehow the Holy Spirit has gone gone before her and paved the way and she has this beautiful moment of acceptance and experiencing God's grace in this moment she does something incredible she burst into song she begins singing My soul glorifies the Lord. He has done great things for me. By the way, normal people act, right? My kids are kind of going through this phase where they're uh, they're kind of discovering musicals. 
and they really like musical and musicals no one has like any kind of like inner dialogue right if they're thinking something inside then the music begins to swell and they just let it out right tomorrow tomorrow right it's just that's the way people act in musicals in real life people don't act like that right people don't just like just just burst into the room singing some people do they're called morning people and i don't like them but <laughs> but normal people normal people don't just burst into the room singing right it's kind of strange behavior but in mary there's this 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 holy spirit moment and and god is working and she she's just her heart's being flooded with all this love and joy and acceptance and she's got this miracle growing inside of her and she can think of no other way to express herself than to burst in to song we don't do that do we all the time even when god has done something great we don't always give the praise he's due. We don't always celebrate like we should. Remember a couple years ago, we wanted um, William to join the children's choir at Central. And we were trying to talk it up to him and get him to do it. And he said, I don't like to sing. Now, I've never spent any time with William. He is singing constantly. And in the moment that he said that, that he said that, I don't like to sing. Like, I had just listened to him in the other room for an hour sing Uptown Funk over and over and over and over while he was playing with his toys. And, and Crystal just looked at him and said, you love to sing. You just don't want to sing for Jesus. <laughs> Which is true of all of us sometimes isn't it? Oh, we find joy. We find ways to celebrate. I mean, we're exuberant uh, when, uh, when, when Virginia Tech gets a touchdown or, 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 or when, when, when something incredible uh, happens in our community, but sometimes we just don't want to burst into song for Jesus. But Mary sure does. Oh, Mary sure does. She sings this beautiful hymn uh, that, that is often called the Magnificat. And the reason it's called the Magnificat is that opening line, my soul glorifies the Lord. Some, uh, some translation says my soul uh, 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 exalts the Lord. My soul lifts up the Lord. Um, uh, the, the old Latin translation says my soul magnifies the Lord. And that's where we get that Magnificat. From. My soul magnifies the Lord, lifts up, exalts, uh, glorifies. The Greek, the Greek is megify. My soul megifies the Lord. I like that. Megify. Sounds like something the Power Rangers do, right? Megify. My soul megifies the Lord. My soul is like a megaphone. To what God is doing. It's like putting a magnifying glass up to what God is doing. My soul magnifies the Lord. I will praise him because he has done great things 
for me. Has he done great things for you this year? Great, mighty things, wonderful, but wonderful works. Think of, think of just some of the things we have seen this year. Harold taught cancer a lesson or two this year. Got someone over at, over at Fairview who, uh, whose dad has been praying for a kidney for six, seven years, a whole time I've known them. He got his kidney this year. Look at your life. What are some of those things God has done this year? Magnify those things. Megify those things. Make sure people, when they look at your soul, see what God is doing. See God exalted. See God lifted up on high for what he has done in your life. Some of them are smaller things. Some of those things do. You need to take the magnifying glass up to every once in a while. You know, um, I, uh, I, I quit my full-time job because I knew there was going to be classes associated with this whole pastor thing. And I was sort of, you know, holding on to both branches and didn't feel like I was, I was doing a, a, a good enough job at either. And, and, and I felt God pulling me in the direction of being a pastor. And so we had to kind of take this leap of faith as a family. We're going to give up that, 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 that income and, and we're going to live into to what God is telling us to do. And we kind of did that, not really knowing how we're going to pay everything. Um, a couple months in, Crystal gets a promotion at work. And with that promotion comes, you know, a nice bump in pay. Right? Most people walk right past that. But when you're magnifying... When you're looking at that up close, you say, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things. Do you have your magnifying glass out? Are you looking at your life? Are, most people walk past those little things, but are you saying, no, that was God. God did that. I hate my voice. I wish I could say magnify and it would come like this, this deep, like resonant, like um, James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, Mufasa type of voice, right? And I'd say, say magnify, and you'd be like, ooh, the subwoofers are on in here, right? But I don't. I've got one of these high nasally voices. And, and when I was a kid, I, I, I had this, 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 this speech impediment on top of it. Uh, I've got one of these voices, like I go through the drive-thru at Walmart and I always get called ma'am. You know, one of those high nasally voice type of things. I have a friend like that that has the high voice and, and we were talking about it. It's like, don't you get tired of being called ma'am in the McDonald's drive-thru? And you said, yeah, but, but now I've, I've learned to use my feminine wiles to get what I want. Just <laughs> one way to look at it, I guess. But, it's the strangest thing. Here's where I'm going with this. God is taking this shy, nasally speech impediment person, and he's making a preacher out of me. He's making a preacher out of me. Let's magnify that for just a second. 
How amazing, how cool is that? God could do something like that. I challenge you, get out that magnifying glass. Look at your life. Look at your life. Just the past year, what has God done? How is God moving? Can you say with Mary, he has done great things? If so, maybe it's time to burst into song. Whenever I think about this story about Mary, I always think about something that happened to me. I, I think I've shared this before, but I'm going to go ahead and share it again anyway. Um, it, I was in Salvador, and I met this young girl, this other young teenage girl named Maria. Same name. And I think that's why it just kind of overlaps in my mind for me. And this, this young teenage girl, see, we were out, um, we we're out visiting. Whenever we go to El Salvador, um, everyone gets an afternoon that they kind of leave their post and they get to go out in the community and visit. And we always take, uh, take these bags of food with us and these Spanish language Bibles and, and these translators. And the translators are more than just, um, we call them translators, but these are really uh, uh, the church people of this community. Uh, they're the people that know the community inside and out, and they know who to visit and, and, and you know, who we need to see. And so, so they take us out, and we get, to, we get to Maria's house. It's our last stop, and it's easily the smallest of the houses we've seen this day. Um, mud brick. They're not all mud brick. Some of them are, um, are uh, most of them are the... Uh, the, the concrete brick, but, but this is a mud brick house, um, uh, aluminum roof. And, and I remember because uh, the threshold was, was so low that I banged my head on the aluminum roof. I did. Not Joey, I did, right? That's how low it was. And, um, and, and so we go into small, gosh, from this side over is how small this house was. Stop right here. And um, it was this single room, had, had some hammocks in the back for people to sleep. And everywhere in El Salvador, in the homes, they don't have a lot of furniture. They have a table, and then they usually, in the corner, they have a stack of plastic chairs. And when you have visitors, you get the plastic chairs out, and, and, and you put them around, and everyone sits and talks. And so Maria's home, she, she gets all of these plastic chairs out, and we sit and we talk with Maria. We give her a bag of food and, and the Bible. And she begins telling us about her life through the translator. Um, her uh, mother has a job working at, um, at, at, at the schools. It's, it's kind of the, the cafeteria lady, the cook at, at, at one of the schools. And um, they used to live in the city. Now, when Maria was uh, a young girl, um, her father was going to work one day, and he got hit by a bus. And so, um, suddenly, they were without their main provider. And they were without their strong protector in a very violent, uh, gang-infested city. And so, 
uh, she said, you know, we prayed for a long time that, uh, that, that we could get out of the city and that, uh, and that mom could find a job to provide for us. And so, uh, so they, they, uh, the mom was hired on as a, as, as, as a cafeteria worker and they were able to move out into the country where it was safer in this little mud brick house. And I remember hearing her story and just being kind of sad and depressed about it. What a terrible, terrible story. Well, then we asked the, the way we always end these little encounters. We say, is there any way we can pray for you? And, and, and we pray with the people we're visiting. And they usually, you know, pray blessings upon my family, but, you know, or maybe a brother who's in jail or something like that. They usually have something. And, uh, and so we asked, it, we asked Maria how we could pray for her. And I just remember her talking for a while. You know, I'm not picking up any of what she's laying down. I'm thinking, gosh, she must have like a list. And then the translator begins to speak. And he says, she says, I really don't want to pray for anything. I just want to say thank you to God for all that he has done for us. We prayed for years for this house and God provided us this house. We prayed that, that my mom would have a job and God provided her this job and, um, I, I, uh, and it provided me an education and, and it's providing my little brother an education. And I just want to thank God for everything he's done. I've been at this Christian Jesus thing for a while. Let me tell you, I was humbled. I had never seen such faith. Now this season, we're all going out to Walmart and we're filling our buggy full of stuff and we're just hoping to hope that this is going to be a thing that makes Uncle Lester happy and, um, and we're all just doing our best and the songs are playing on the PA system and we're not really singing along with them because it's hard, you know, to burst into song at Walmart when, you know, it's a depressing place sometimes and busy, you're jostling with people. I think of this little girl, Maria, who had nothing but a stack of plastic chairs and an aluminum roof over her head. And her soul was magnifying the Lord because he has done great things. I think of this other little girl named Mary who had nothing had to walk 70 miles on foot to see her nearest relative. Walked into a mud house and said, Shalom. He wanted to thank God. Her soul magnified the Lord for all the great things that he had done in her life. So, 
Has he done great things for you? Has he done great things for you? Has he moved in mighty ways? If so, lift up his name. Exalt him. Glorify him. Magnify him. Megify him. Because he has done great things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.